Welcome to Everyday Driver, where cars are more than just transportation. They're freedom, a common ground, a way to grow, and can even make life better. We're here to help everyone find a car they love and discover all the ways they connect us. I'm Paul. I'm Todd. And this is The Car Debate. Hey, it's Friday. We've had an awesome week. We've had a goofy week. This is podcast number 646. That means we're four away, counting this one, from a live podcast that will be all questions. It will be all non-car questions. I'm telling you now so you can be ready. Coming because fast. it's going to be nuts. Guys, welcome back to the podcast. We've been shooting a TV episode this mm-hmm. week. That's right. This is episode two, or at least in the, the shoot order, that we have shot the GR86 against the ND2 MX5 Miata RF. It's very We've been cool. out all week. We still have a little bit more filming to do, just yeah. some beauty shots. But we've been uh, we put those two cars together. Big thanks to Toyota for supporting us with mm-hmm. a pre-production 86 mm-hmm. and then uh, Mazda as well. So we're, we're getting that shot. We, we had one of those situations where we really, really pushed hard to get those two cars together here in Utah before the weather really becomes unshootable for cars like that on summer tires. Mm-hmm. And we also really wanted to get it as part of season 10. Thanks to those manufacturers, as you said, for getting those cars here Especially considering, I think those pre-production 86, the minute they were done with the launch, I think they were just booked out. They were booked everywhere. They just scattered to the four corners of the earth. And so we have one back here, which is really cool. That's a piece I've wanted to do big time. Because the last time we put the uh, Miata and the 86 together, it was the the ND has barely been announced. Mm -hmm. I mean, barely Mm -hmm. been out. So it was the ND1 before they did the engine change versus my old FRS. So this this does feel like a revelation on both. I'm very excited. Yep, indeed. A couple of words here to say, and those are 718 Cayman GT4 RS. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah, you bet. I've watched the POV and uh, <laughs> drunk everything in, all the photos and all the stats on that. So, very, very excited about that. Superfastringtimes.com. That, that's Nurburger just, King yes, Ring. The Nurburger King Ring. That's, 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 that's pretty it. cool, but yeah. We've got a great couple of debates. First from Matt W., who has, I think, the widest budget range ever. <laughs> yeah, fair. It's up there. Yeah. We also have got Ian B. in Seattle, Washington, whose car is perfect. And he hates it. <laughs> he spends this whole half of his email telling you all the reasons why he has found the perfect car for his lifestyle, and he cannot wait to move on. I can't wait to cover that. It's going to be great. We've got to jump right in first from Matt W., who says he discovered us during the pandemic. He's been listening religiously. Matt, thank you so That's much. Great. Really appreciate thank you, man. He is slowly working his way backwards through the podcast catalog. Oh, wow. I don't think that's the right direction to go, by the <laughs> that's way. That's right. I, if, well, maybe he's caught up and he's working his way you, back. But here's the thing. I think if you want to jump back, just jump back to one. Because I think right. I'd like to say right. that from one, we've gotten better. So if you're going backwards, I think <laughs> we're, just, we're just steadily getting worse, aren't we? I, I think that that's not good news. But well, anyway. at least episode 52, which is the story. If you're ever looking yes. for the background, the actual story of our mm-hmm. background and how Everyday Driver came to be, yeah, that's episode 52 is the one to listen to. Matt's car history includes a 98 Nissan Maxima, the four-door sports car. I tried to convince my parents to buy a Nissan Maxima in 1990, and they bought a Buick instead. The strangest teacher I had in high school drove one of those. She was like the last person you would ever expect to have a cool car. And, of course, here we all were high school boys going, that car's amazing. And she, her demeanor was really like, really? I mean, I like it. But she, she just didn't <laughs> connect like, no! to all the reasons. We were like, but see, but the four-door sports car little badge on the side. with that just the, made uh, it cool. Uh, the, uh, <laughs> Matt's also had an 01 Honda Accord Coupe manual, Infinity G20 manual. Remember those Infinity G20s? Yeah. Uh-huh. 
That was uh, Infinity's rebadging days. Wait, yes, it's not was. over. Mm-hmm. 05 Toyota 4Runner. <laughs> wow. Well, it, it needs to be shot. said. It's still true. That was yeah, a shot. Onward, yeah. 05 Toyota 4Runner, all-wheel drive limited. He probably shouldn't have sold that, he says. Possibly not. 2005 Lexus RX 350. Hopefully it was white. <laughs> oh, oh, do they make them in another color? I know oh, it's that champagne oh, that's shell right. color. That's the only champagne. Yeah, yeah. glass of champagne. Oh, 06 CLS AMG 63 at 09 BMW 328 XI manual. A 2013 Chevy Spark EV. Zero down. Wow. <laughs> After rebates and everything, it was a $50 a month lease for three years. That is a cheap electric car. Yeah, for well, sure. Well, he, he lived in an apartment in downtown San Francisco, so he couldn't charge it at home overnight, so he used free public solar EVs. And he sold the Bosch charger that they gave him. <laughs> right. <laughs> so basically, you just can't, you got an EV for loaner. It's essentially how that worked out. That's amazing. Oh, he's had an 05997, an 08 R8 automatic. Mm-hmm. 2018 GMC Terrain and a 2000 S2000, 180,000 miles. miles. He he sold it actually because he said he was just about to start a full refresh and realized I can't do that. So he sold it to a kid who was ecstatic to find one as low cost as it was because it had 180,000 miles. But he hopes that guy has it forever. Right. Well, the current car is a 2017 Audi Q7. Because it's a great city car. I can see that. The favorite car that he owned was the 997. He said the R8 was a little too digital in German. Okay. But it was just different from the Porsche. Now, his wife will want to drive the new car, whatever they get, and really wants a manual and a convertible. Okay. But Matt doesn't actually like manuals. He says it's too stressful driving up hills. They live on a hill and city driving. So he really likes the Q7 for daily driving, errands and kids' school drop-off and that sort of thing. Okay, all right. The budget that he starts with, this is the budget that he just launches he right in. He throws out and goes, hey, let's just go with this for a budget. $120,000. Wow. That's up there. Mm-hmm. Then he says, ish. And then he gets into, hang on, many, many stories. First off, they only have a two-car garage, but they could put two more cars behind it and block the driveway. His wife is actually fine with that. So they could have as many as four cars. But... To put two cars in the garage, I don't really understand how this works. Put two cars in the garage, one of them has to be on those wheel dolly caster things, so he has to roll it around the garage. So Which that doesn't work, make, it but works, but it makes, means that's the effort. car he never goes out and gets <laughs> yeah. in. So yeah. probably three is better. They'll keep the family car, that keep a family car. I think you probably just keep the Q7. But this is where that $120,000, which feels like, you know, free for all, money for everybody, <laughs> right. takes a turn because all of a sudden he has watched our cheap sports car series and gone, Maybe I should just buy an $8,000 cheap something. So we've got, this is the range you were talking yeah. about. We've got 120 grand thrown out like, I could spend that much. And then he goes, why don't I spend eight? <laughs> I don't know what to do with this, Matt. Well, he says he'll keep a family car. He almost got a WRX or a Civic Type R for the family car mm-hmm. until he realized he hates the manual for daily driving. So don't get those. I get it. <laughs> then then and agreed. Now, he's in the Bay Area, I believe. He's mm-hmm. got a great German mechanic, he says, who he trusts for German cars in San Francisco. I like it. And an Audi specialist who is a magician up in Sacramento. Do wow. tell. I mean, maybe he puts better engines in Audis. Or maybe he, you know, if he's a magician, he moves the, the engine behind the front axle. Well, that's, that's Audi magic right there. That's interesting. So what should Matt do? As Todd said, should he get a cheap sports car to hold him over and hope the craziness ends and then reevaluates at that point? And then maybe that money set aside has been doing well in the market. Sounds like he's an investor, mm-hmm. like I was talking about Easy the there. last time Easy around. there, yeah. This investment dollars buy the f- big fun stuff. We're, we're bumping into an act like almost related to financial discussion. Let's I'm be careful. I'm telling you, yeah. this is what happens. Uh, yeah. uh-huh. But he says, what if that will grow in the, mar- in the stock market? Sure. And he has an even bigger budget to work with. Or less. I mean, let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> or less, sure. 
But then he thought, well, what about this cheap sports cars and the MR2s and the Miatas and the Boxsters? Mm-hmm. He found a great Generation 2 Boxster manual for eight grand, but it sold two hours after it was posted for sale. Hang on. That means it was a 987, not a 986 for eight grand. Eight no wonder it K? went that fast. Well, he had work and family obligations. The kids had sure. to get picked up. Daddy can't pick up the kids. Daddy's buying a fun car. Can you just imagine the poor kids sitting there with their huge backpacks that are as big as they are on their backs at the curb, all sad? <laughs> Teachers going, where is your father? What's he doing? Meanwhile, irresponsible like, so-and-so. I'm sorry, I need to get a pre-purchase inspection on this. What do you mean, kids? <laughs> when Matt writes to us, he says, should I go on, go all in and get a single car? He throws out Ferrari FFs. Sure, I, I, I would love to have one of those. Why not? How delightful. He loves the idea of a V12 Ferrari. We all love the idea of a V12 Ferrari, Matt. He also mentions the Ferrari F430. He would also like a naturally aspirated Ferrari V8. Sure. Most of us would sign up for that. He says this ship has sailed from the price point for a manual transmission. Probably, yeah. So, Audi R8, Merc AMG GT, Mm. or get two different cars for different things. He says, should I get one older, more analog car? And then he lists pretty much all the high-end, fun, everyday driver greatest hits. Yes, S2Ks, mm-hmm. E46 M3s, Lotus Elises, and Avoras. Another 997. He mentions C8 Corvettes, mm-hmm. Toyota Supras, Boxsters. That's the thing. He goes, I could do old and analog with a digital and modern. So that's where the C8 Corvette, the, the Supra, and the Boxster come in, get something more modern as well. I balance them both out. My gosh. Okay. Matt, thanks for writing. This really is cool. appreciate the email. Yeah. It is clean slate time, my friend. Oh, look at you. Okay, great. You're going to divorce yourself from your Audi magician friend. Oh, okay. Because you're going to sell the Audi. Oh, the Q7's going. Q7's okay. going. Who wants to buy a Q7? I looked them up. <laughs> 2017 Audi Q7s. You can probably get 38 grand for it, maybe 40, okay. All right. depending All right. on the mileage and the condition. I know where you're going. You've got a $160,000 budget now, don't you? Well, I do, and I <laughs> might have massaged that even more. Wow, okay. But for the family car, you are missing out on a $100,000 2018 and newer Mercedes AMG E63S, the estate that does it all, mm. that your wife will absolutely love driving. She will approve it. The estate that rules everything. They're and not long for this world, and they're not long for Mercedes lineup either. And they're amazing. Yes. Our friend Derek was on the Utah meetup in his. You would have the <laughs> ultimate family fun car, and it has a ton of space. Yes, it And does. I think I told this story, but when we were on the Utah meetup, one of my favorite moments on the first day, we barely started. And Bodie and I are sitting <laughs> in the 300ZX, and we're about okay, the middle right. of the pack, right? Right. And he goes, uh, hey, hey, Dad, um, What's the most powerful car here? Because he's 11, and these are the <laughs> right. questions. Right, you know, right. Because, of course, that's the question. And I said, I said, buddy, okay, four cars up. You see that, that black wagon? He said, yeah. I said, that's the most powerful car here. He said, no, it's not. I said, oh, yeah, it is. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I got to be riding it later. Thank you, Derek. So that was awesome. But, uh, yeah, that would be awesome. That would be quite the family car. I found one for 100 grand, so that knocks 100 you out really? of your budget. Wow, okay, good job. There's others that are newer and more expensive. They can go up to 120, mm-hmm. slightly used. But nevertheless, I did find you one. That leaves the other 20 out of your budget, plus the 40 you sold your Q7 for. That leaves a 60 to work with. So let's drop that to 50 so you can get a $10,000 BMW Z3 manual for your manual convertible cheap sports car. Okay. So the mid-range, the car that I'm now shopping for you, will also be German. It is an all-German garage because these are the tastiest of the tasty. All right. I'd love it if you could find a 1M for 50. You might have to push on that just a touch. Probably 60, 65 now, unfortunately. How about an Probably. M2? How about an M2 oh, competition? Oh, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Instantly, yeah. And you get it with the DSG. Mm-hmm. It's brilliant. It is sort of like a race car, but it's useful, and mm-hmm. it's got usable back seats for school pickup. Uh-huh. Agree Meanwhile, with that. your wife will roar by you. 
at well over 100 miles an hour in her new wagon. Not picking up the kids, but just picking up whatever she'd like and throwing okay. eggs against the side of the, of the wagon. Tackling sound you hear. Oh, for sure, yes. But then you can take road trips. You might want to pick up kids up from school in that because mm-hmm. they will clamor for rides. Uh-huh. Your kids will make new best friends whose dad drives that thing. Uh-huh. I, I still am waiting, and I'm putting out a, just an open invitation. I want the huge slow-mo drift through the pickup oh. line from oh. somebody. Yes. You know, where the car is actually only moving like five, maybe 10 miles an hour. It's still moving at pickup line speeds. It's just fully sideways with opposite lock and the tires roaring. Somebody send me that video. I just want to see it. So let's recap the $100,000 Mercedes AMG E63S. Got it. A 1M or an M2. I was thinking about a 2018 Alfa Romeo Giulia Quadrifoglio for 55. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I just thought, well, you've got a German mechanic who's really good. Let's keep it all German. Okay. And the cheap car is the BMW Z3 manual. All German garage. I spent your money. Call it a day. Well done. I love how you completely mixed it all up and were able to add money to the equation. Well done. <laughs> I, I, I'm always impressed when you can find... Here's the thing that's great about it. You find money in people's budgets they don't know they have. But you're like, wait a minute. What about this thing over here? We should just sell that while we're at it's it. It's the money that you could justify spending. It's yeah, the money that sure. isn't in your budget, but I'm going to justify it for you anyway because I'll name a car and you'll say... <gasps> Oh, yeah, I just want it. Oh, yeah, that, for sure. Matt, I, I you know what? I'm going to leave Paul's recommendation alone on the Q7 because uh, I, I, I can't argue with Paul's logic on that Mercedes. It's phenomenal. You would love it as a family car. Yes. But I'm going to go with Ain't Broke, Don't Fix It on that Q7. Okay. You like it. It does all the family duties. Let's just leave it right where it is. Okay, fair enough. So that means we've got as much as 120 to spend, but I'm not even going to spend that much. I loved where you went, Matt, of just going, wait a minute. We could do three cars pretty easily. So let's do three instead of the four. So there's nothing on wheel dollies anymore. <laughs> the Q7 is dollies. the all-purpose family car. Yeah, but now this yeah. leaves you in two scenarios. You said your wife wants a manual and a convertible. What I didn't do is tie myself to them having to be in the same car. Okay. Maybe we've got an automatic convertible and a manual hardtop. We still get the okay. convertible thing done. You still have a car that is a little more relaxing but is still a fun car. I loved your scenario here, Matt, where you talked about analog versus digital. Buying something that is very raw mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then buying something that is much more modern and less involving but is still a sporty car that you can do all of the above. And you could commute in that car maybe. So I'm going to go with analog versus digital. Analog on the cheap side. I'll start there first. Yes, look at the BMW Z3 or a Miata or, mm-hmm. yes, get a first-gen 86. Just something that's fun. Now, the first-gen 86, of course, isn't a convertible, but we could get a convertible on the digital side. I'm just saying. Mm. Yes, you could do an MR2 or a Boxster. What intrigues you? What out of the cheap sports car lineup we drove do you like? Are you a person, I have to say it, are you a person who's always looked at the Pontiac Solstice or Saturn Sky and gone, those are cool? Hmm. Then why not? Get the turbo one, by the way. But why not if those cars intrigue you? I'm talking about spending ten grand on the high side at one of these. Maybe. If you find the world's nicest one, you're spending fifteen for something like this. Maybe. Okay. But I'm thinking about ten. And that also is a car you can park outside. Why not? You spent ten grand on a little fun convertible. Yeah, right. Whatever, park it outside. I'll no big get a deal. covercraft car covered us. Absolutely. Stow it under when Absolutely. you're not driving it. So you could shop all of those. Now, do we want to take that analog scenario and raise the budget? Maybe. Mm. I'm, at the moment, I've gone really cheap there, but you could. Yes, you could get brand new GR86. Obviously, we've had it this week. Brand new ND2 Miata. Both of those are roughly 30, 35 grand. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you like one of those? Does one of those intrigue you? Because this is, if you will, the most analog cars made in our more digital car world. That's so a great you, way of putting you it. Get yeah. a lot of, yeah. You get a lot of usability out of those, yeah. but you get all the modern tech. So you could go that far. Or, yes, 
the king of the analogs, get yourself an Elise. Now, the problem there is right now it's like 40 to 50 to get a good Elise, which is a lot of money for a car. They've I gone love. back up that much? Yeah. So the whole Elises are 30 grand, you buy them for 30 grand, some for, that, that is was out around the for a decade, it's moved now. You're kidding me. I mean, I admit to not shopping for leases lately. Uh I can't believe that. Yeah. A good one is 40 to 50 now, which is unbelievable. But they are, they are the most analog car out there. Now the problem is I, you're a guy who you like manual, but not enough to have it as your daily. Mm -hmm. What I read between the lines there is, I don't think you'd drive your lease much. I think it would probably mostly sit and I would hate to have something that mostly sits. So that's why I think one of these really cheap convertibles might be the way to go, but you could go that far on the digital side. Let's solve the convertible problem this way. Get yourself an automatic Jaguar F-Type convertible. Interesting. Then you've got the manual over here. It's convertible or it's not convertible. Who cares? You could get the F-Type, of course, in a coupe as well. You can get it in a coupe manual. If you can find one of those, buy it immediately, by the way. But you could get Hmm. and have this as your your car you drive every day. Drive the Jaguar F-Type. Why not? Convertible, hardtop, who cares? Drive that every day. Or along the lines of where you went, Paul, BMW M2. Get the DCT. Yeah. You would love that car. Yeah. You can pick up the kids. It's it's usable, and it's one of those ca- rare cars, and I do like this. It's a stealth enthusiast car. The yeah. people that know yes. are like, you drive an M2. That's cool. Everybody else just sees a BMW. Look, if you want to blend completely, of course, I'm going to say blue, but if you want to blend completely, you get one in that charcoal gray or the black. No one knows that's a cool car unless they're a car person. So the M2 just completely hides. You mentioned the Mercedes GT. You would enjoy that car. Oh, but absolutely. I, I think that's a car for we should take a road trip, honey. I don't know that that's a run around, do the errands car. I think you'd, I, because I would do it. I would drive that car all the time. But yeah, I think yeah. you, Matt, might, um, might just leave that parked and take the Q7. That's my concern with the Mercedes GT, mm-hmm. which leads me to the 911 you didn't own, the 991. Oh, yeah. The 991.1 is easily in your budget. Even if you buy yourself a cheap sports car, you have small back seats for the kids. And of course, you're in San Francisco area. How many people drive 911s? Plenty. Get that with the fantastic PDK and just enjoy being in that car. And then if you have an open on-ramp, you can enjoy that too. That's my digital listing for you. I have a, an outlier here because it's not as focused a sports car, but I do have to say it. You said it as well, Paul. Alpha, Julia, Quadrifolio. Have a nice day. I you actually could do looking. that as a fantastic dad mobile and then get something really small and light as your alternate. But since that doesn't fit perfectly into either of my categories here, because it's not really a GT car or a small little light thing, I got to put it over here kind of in wild card territory, but don't overlook that car. Matt, thank you for writing. Really appreciate it. Love your email. Love your budget range. Yep. Be sure to write to us and let, you, let us know what you decide. If you decide to squirrel away the money or <clears throat> sell the Q7, I think you should. 8000 to one hundred and twenty grand. I mean, how many cars can we buy there? Many. <laughs> you only have space for four. Could you get a lift and pack six in there? You probably <laughs> could. That's where it all goes goes sideways. Write to us with your own debate, everydaydrivertv at gmail.com, or on the website you can find both of our YouTube channels, the Test Drive and the main YouTube channel, where our older TV episodes get posted, mm-hmm. along with the future content for our origin cars, yep, the, the cars of the past are coming, yep. and the 300ZX. Those are definitely coming, but uh, write to us, let us know what you bought.
My Garage is a virtual home for automotive enthusiasts where you can show off your cars and tell their stories. Inside the community, you can check out thousands of cool cars and like and comment and follow and share all your favorites. Plus, you can park everything you need in one place. Use My Garage to manage important details, photos, records, and more. There's never been a better way to virtually enjoy your ride. So customize your own garage, explore others' garages like ours, and join in on the conversation at haggerty.com slash mygarage. I'm not sure we've gotten this email before. Ian wrote in from Seattle to tell us that his car is perfect. Generally, we get emails that are some sort of variation of, please help me, I need out of my car. And then there, <laughs> here comes the list of all the reasons why to get out of the car. Ian's email is still, please help me. But the first two paragraphs are why his car is perfect for him. And he knows it. He has a, wait for it, 2013 Subaru Outback. I hope it's white. I hope it's white. But he does have it with a manual transmission, which you just don't see. That's right. And he realizes that the way he uses a car is he's an outdoor guy. He's a mountain biker. He's a skier. He's a bow hunter. His vehicle needs to carry him and stuff and friends all over the place. He decided, like you do when you have an Outback, why don't I take up kayaking? I think there's a clause. I think at some point you have to try it. Why has Subaru not called you to film a commercial? Absolutely. So, of course, he just put a rack on the Outback and threw the kayak on. And now, you know what? He just goes kayaking. But he realizes that the only thing he likes about it is the fact that it's a manual transmission. And, yes, it gets him everywhere. And, yes, it does all the stuff he needs it to do. But it's just a snooze fest. Ian's words, not ours. He says he hates how practical this car is, sometimes because it makes that much harder to justify replacing. Mm. He previously owned a Focus ST and had to sell it because it just wasn't working out. He loved driving the car and even tracked it a couple times, but he was living in Montana and his job required him to visit ranches, mm. ranches, mm -hmm. so it became too much of a hassle. Now he's in Seattle with a different job, but he's still fearful a car like that won't work for him. But so you're not going to ranches in Seattle, are you? I'm just thinking well, probably life has Seattle. changed. changed There's a ranches bit. out in There's ranches. And, I just you know, I don't think Central the Washington. Seattle ranch community is quite like, I'm going to go to a ranch in Montana. I'm thinking maybe we don't have to be in an outback. Maybe. Yeah, probably not. Well, here's the wish list. Number one, fun to drive. Okay. Number two, manual. This is the only thing he likes about driving his current vehicle. And he's really hesitant to give up shifting his own gears. Mm. Ability to carry toys is number three. Ideally, the car would have integrated roof rack mount points versus the one that just sit on the paint and mm. hook onto the drip rail, the, the windows there. Yeah, yeah. He says, unfortunately, this rules out a lot of cars like the GTI or Golf R. Are those hook-on racks better than you think you think they are? They can be really good. You can also do the, the weird like sea sucker things, and there's lots, there's oh, yeah, lots of That's alternative options now, but yep. I take your point. Number four is all-wheel drive. He says, I know, I know, winter tires. And he says the winter tires versus all-wheel drive comparison. He says he's with us. He lives in Washington State. And the winter, in the winter, they have rules for mountain passes, the ones he's got to drive on to go skiing. I've definitely been up Snoqualmie Pass mm -hmm. in the winter. He says they often require all-wheel drive or four-wheel drive or chains, and he'd prefer not to have to mess with chains. Mm. Chains. So until the law changes, all-wheel drive is a huge selling point mm. for him. Interesting. Okay. He also says it's important to note that most of his driving consists of going to do these activities, biking, skiing, and hiking with friends, or going on trips like weekend getaways, which still means throwing his bike on the rack. Mm -hmm. He doesn't commute via car, and his fiance has a commuter car that they take for short trips. So it's not a, I'm going to go drive a canyon. It's not I need to track. Mm -hmm. It's not I have to commute in it. It's just I'm going to go do something that I love, the biking, the skiing, the kayaking, yeah. the whatever. Yep. 
That's the purpose. But yet he doesn't want it to be so utilitarian, which is the problem with the Outback, that it bores him in the process. This is rare. Subaru has cornered this market. He says all the roads seem to point to a WRX, Mm -hmm. but he wanted to see if we had any other ideas. His budget is right around $30,000, and that's because that's what a WRX costs. (laughs) Okay. All right. He'd need a compelling reason to go higher than that. Mm -hmm. He does wish the WRX interior felt a bit more modern. They would bring back the hatch. He didn't love the transmission when he test drove it compared to a Veloster N that he also tried. Mm -hmm. Good on you, Ian, for trying some drive homework. Love that. Yeah, I really appreciate you doing that. But what other cars is he missing? Ian, this this email kind of puts me in a little bit of a time machine for a minute to the first four or five podcasts that we did. So I'm going to return to those podcasts real quickly (laughs) and say the following. You would like a manual transmission four-door all-wheel drive costing you less than $30,000. Please go buy a WRX. You have listed off the reasons why we stopped covering them so much because that was so many of the emails we first got we started this podcast. I totally understand why you wound up there Mm -hmm. because, yes, absolutely, a WRX would solve your problem easily, well. I think you would be much happier than you are in the Outback. Having said that, I am hoping we have both brought other ideas. I've brought one main idea, but it revolves around a segment, a rare segment. The segment is defined by a Honda Ridgeline, but that isn't the truck that I'm suggesting for you. Oh, I think you may have gone somewhere I went too, but keep going. Ian, it is the 2022 Hyundai Santa Cruz. Mm. This is a pickup truck that has been newly introduced. We actually just had it rotate through our press fleet here and we drove it a test drive is coming on that but i recommend it specifically even though i realize it violates your manual transmission rule but for everything else you're describing rare is the car besides the wrx that meets all of those things and still has an old school manual transmission Mm -hmm. manual transmissions are still going to be around but they're now gravitating towards in manufacturers minds those cars that are sporty fun to drive Mm -hmm. canyon roads Mm -hmm. track cars yeah 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 that is where i think we'll continue to find manual transmissions Mm -hmm. proliferate not in a truck not in a pickup truck necessarily not in an all road Mm -hmm. or an outdoorsy kind of vehicle just because that was a cheap option so for a newer car to have a manual mm-hmm. transmission, they're going to be lightweight, small, mm-hmm. front-wheel drive, maybe rear-wheel drive. We've got a couple of them that we just yeah, shot. Yeah. But they're going to be the the fun, lightweight, kind of over here in the corner, yeah, nimble I agree. sports cars. I agree. They aren't going to be in the lumbering. You're not going to see pickup trucks very much with manual transmissions yeah, that, in the future. Those days are behind us for sure, yeah. So that's why I say you've got to be open to losing that mm. in your life. But the Santa Cruz is fun to drive. And it's, it has a dual clutch transmission, not some weird CVT. Yeah. You have to get the turbo engine. There's two engines. Yes. It's actually the same two and a half liter engine. Uh-huh. One has a turbo, one doesn't. The more expensive one has a turbo. It's pushing 40 grand. It's mm-hmm. just slightly over. So this is your compelling reason. But look closely at this. It's not a Ridgeline. And like I said, the Ridgeline has dominated the market for mm-hmm. take friends, put all your stuff, mm-hmm. lock it up. The Santa Cruz is a little bit different even though it looks kind of the same and has a similar bed and similar storage, Mm -hmm. there's some fun to be had here. Agreed. And that's because of the drive mode. It will throw the torque, a lot of it, 70% or so, to the rear wheels, Mm -hmm. which means it drives like a rear-wheel drive sports car. To some degree. To a Yeah, not not a lot. In that market segment, for sure. Yes, I take that. You've got to look closely at this. You've got to go test drive this. The fact that Hyundai did this is a coup. Mm -hmm. And I... I'm fortunate to know a few of the designers at the Hyundai design team. One of my close friends and classmates, Terry Chen, 
did much of the class A surfing, if not mm, all of it, mm. I believe. Wow. And it was fun to be texting with him the other day. And I said, hey, so what's this little thing at the tops of the fenders, this little mm-hmm, truck icon? Mm-hmm. And we were texting back and forth. And so he told me some of the inside story, a little bit about what the design team was thinking. And so it, it was fun just to kind of say, hey, man, congratulations. This thing really looks cool. great. It looks yeah. modern. All the modern conveniences. And it drives so well. Because that's what's out of designers' hands. Mm-hmm. They You're can right. make Absolutely. a yeah. vehicle, car, truck, SUV look spectacular. But what's out of their hands is the ability for driving dynamics. You're right. You're right. They cannot influence it. It's frustrating. You can't you can design a sports car and say, well, it looks low and beautiful and slinky, mm-hmm. and surely it would drive well and be aerodynamic mm-hmm. and fast, put the right engine in it. Mm-hmm. But as far as dynamics, the design team doesn't have much say. Mm. So for a design team to have a truck that looks this good, that will fit so many people's needs, including yours, it kind of is like Subaru did a Brat or Hyundai did a Brat. Yeah. Uh-huh. But yeah. they did it better. It's not the Baja, the no <laughs> proportion. What is that thing? Mm-hmm. It looks good. Go look at the Santa Cruz. Can't recommend it highly enough. Ian, that's hysterical. And here's why I bring it up. Because that was my crazy wild card. Oh, really? It wasn't. It's not my recommendation. I have another recommendation that's for you. That's my go-to. But that's my crazy wild card because I just thought, okay, it's no manual transmission. But to the point you already made, Paul, here's the problem, Ian, with your list. The two things that knock out pretty much the whole market and almost leave you in the WRX are you want all-wheel drive and manual. Right. That is where the market is incredibly tiny right now. Mm-hmm. But the Santa Cruz does all of this great fun stuff and remains fun to drive, which I was very surprised by. I did not expect it to have any kind of fun-to-drive personality. So, of course, we're, we're spoiler alerting a little bit on the on the test drive, but the test drive is going to be really cool as well. And you just kind of watch us discover this little truck, croc, ute, whatever this is going to be called. <laughs> There's that word again. Ute. Oh. The two utes. Oh. Anyway, so I, I do think that's a fantastic wild card that's worth driving because it would do all the stuff of your current car, and I think have personality your current car doesn't. So definitely look. Mm -hmm. But all-wheel drive, able to carry stuff, could do road trips, actually is more fun to drive than your Outback, which you could say is a low bar, but this is a hard list to hit all of them. Mm -hmm. Yes, the WRX would work, but here is my alt, and it's going to surprise you. All-wheel drive, Cayenne, a late... First gen GTS came with a manual. That's great. That's or, really great. Or the early couple of years of the second gen, so like a 2011, 2012. I don't think if they, I don't think they still do it. Maybe I'm wrong. You could get those in a manual as well. They're this hard to find, you, but that is an yes, excellent choice. This will give you German build feel. This will yeah. give you Porsche Cayenne Dynamics, which I'm telling you are better than you think. They are excellent off-road. They're superb off-road. Watch our uh, Porsche Experience Center Atlanta oh. piece. Oh, yeah. They do all kinds of stuff off-road. But you can get them in a manual transmission. And my wife and, and my uh, Cayenne right now is almost 150,000 miles. I keep realizing I need to do another update on it, but most of the updates are just like, yeah, a year later, guess what? It still runs. I mean, yeah, we spend some money on it because <laughs> sure. it's got a, almost 150,000 miles, but it's just maintenance stuff, and it's not regular either. So I, I think the Cayenne elevates your experience to something that feels more luxurious. It elevates your experience to something that is more dynamic and fun to drive, but it does all of the other stuff as well and gets you a manual. That is such a rare beast and so well played. Hard to find, but I so think you well love played. it. Ian. That's really great. All right. Well, Ian, you're going to have to write to us. My other thought here, just an addendum, was if you're going to be interested in doing some fun driving, mm-hmm. 
track driving, canyon driving, mm-hmm. summertime driving. You could investigate a cheap car for yourself, a cheap sports car. Sure. And wait and corral the manual off to that experience. Yes. Leave and the, the manual for something else. Sure. You're in whatever else you choose. If you do find a manual Cayenne, that is a brilliant choice. That is kind of the last of the last of a in of many, a truck yeah. that does high speed autobahn it handles well fun to drive cargo and it's great off-road mm-hmm. and a manual transmission it's, yeah, that's, it's the last of the last very rare so if you could find one yeah definitely that is high on my list as well but this this santa cruz cannot be overlooked so write to us let us know what you find and if you want to corral that love of manual transmissions off to some future little sports car well, that's up to you and your fiance, but uh, something to consider. Summertime's here, and that means it is car wash season. And my friend Paul tells me I'm always supposed to wash a car in a cool, shady spot. I don't always do that well, but I do use the Brilliant Finish Foaming Sprayer, or actually I use the Boss Foam Cannon from Griot's Garage. You have to use this. It's awesome. If you're a person like me who's not good at this, it makes it far easier. You create a high foam blizzard right in your driveway with little to no work, which I really like. You avoid wash-induced scratches. It is the safest way to wash your car. Try the Griot's Garage Foaming System Complete Kit today and see what the foam is all about. Griot's also has a full ceramic family of products, including Speed Shine, Wash and Coat, and 3-in-1 Wax. All Griot's Garage products are 100% guaranteed, and all liquid products are made in the USA. When you're ordering at griotsgarage.com, use the code EDRIVER for 15% off liquids and 10% off everything else on your order. That's G-R-I-O-T-S. Enjoy the finest quality car care products you can buy at griotsgarage.com. Nick F. is writing to us. Asking, what is our favorite car reference in a song? Oh, okay. You've got one. I have two. Oh, wow. Okay, good. Of course, Janis Joplin. Uh-huh. Oh, Lord, won't you buy me a Mercedes Benz? That's right. Paul is currently singing. Janis Joplin. My friends though. all drive Porsches. I must make amends. <laughs> and of course, Joe Walsh singing Life's Be Good. My Maserati does 185. <laughs> I lost my license. Now I don't drive. That's good. You've got those songs in your head now. No, I am, for sure. That's excellent. Well done. Well done on that. Rick Dreyer is doing a Track Daily Crush for racing circuits. We have actually done this before. I don't think we've done this one before, but maybe. He also gives he gives a European edition and a domestic edition. Now, the concept here being, what is the track of the three we're about to list you would drive every single day? What is the one that you would treat like a track? It would be like your special occasion. I'm going to go as fast as I can and chase lap times. And what would be the track where you're just like, eh, that can go? Mm. He gives a European edition and a U.S. edition. Now, the U.S. edition is Laguna Seca, Watkins Glen, and Sebring. Now, the problem there is I've only driven Laguna, mm-hmm. so I don't feel like I can answer that. But I will do the European edition. Spa, Monaco, and The Ring. Oh. Track Daily Crush. Oh. The truth is that Monaco's got to go. I suppose. Monaco is incredibly cool. It is steeped in history. I drove it's a it. town. Yeah. It's not a track. It is a town, not a it's track. A town. And so it's actually better to be a town. Let's, <laughs> Let's just have it be a town. It's a very nice, ridiculously expensive, absurd seaside town with yachts the size of, like, you know, aircraft carriers. Well, Let's I discovered just, the poor people have 150-foot yachts because yes. the rich people have 305-foot yachts. They're, I didn't know this. You you went, and then like a year later, my wife and I went, yeah. and we happened to go in the off-season where the hotel room we were in was like, it's a little pricey, but it's the hotel room that has like a big hefty comma in it when the race is there. It's it's the it's yeah. that track, the one the track The Fairmont, over. the Fairmont oh right at the hairpin. Gosh, there. it's terrifying. Anyway, yeah. but yeah, very cool. So that place is nuts. So Monaco goes, I am going to daily the ring. I <laughs> I 
I am the guy. I am almost the guy that wants to buy a stupid little house that's a that's an overgrown shack I, in Nurburg, <laughs> and have some cool car out front and just be like going for milk. I want to be that guy. It'll take okay? me. I don't know between five thirty and eight thirty p.m. every day going for milk. <laughs> so tourist and farting. The, the the ring would be the daily for sure, which means that spa becomes the special occasion track. That's fantastic. I laps on. The ring, constant laps. Absolutely, it's it's the world. It's the world's greatest mountain road. It really is. It's not really a track. It's a mountain road, and everybody's nuts. (laughs) Seth K says, "What design element, the Lexus Predator Mar, the BMW Beaver T, for example, did we hate at first when it came out, but now you don't mind, or maybe even like?" Mm. This is a broader answer, but Seth, it's car designers' reactions to electric cars. By that I mean before. You have to have an opening on the front of a car to push air through, Mm -hmm. to go through a radiator, Mm -hmm. to cool an engine. Yep. So there's all kinds of design signature elements that involve a hole in the front of the car. Yes. Electric cars don't need that, and they don't have them. Mm -hmm. So, for example, I'll give you one that I have started to really warm to, and that's Rivian. Okay. I like what they're doing. Yeah, it looks great. Because it's a pickup truck, and you think, well, that's just a huge front slab, you know, a huge tall front end. What do you do from a design element standpoint? What do you do to take up the visual mass and visual height of that? Usually, GMC, Ram, Ford, they're all doing it. It's this giant hole, this mm-hmm. huge radiator, mm-hmm. giant chrome grill. Well, Ram started that back in 1993 when they brought out that Kenworth kind of Looked like an look. 18-wheeler for the first time, yeah. That yeah. was so appealing, and, and it's just gone nuts since then. But car designers dealing with the fact that electric cars don't need that. Mm -hmm. They never will. So what do we do to make it an interesting, engaging face that's a signature still for the front of the car? Because that is always and will be always the look that defines the car, the whole signature element. Mm -hmm. Now, you'll see some manufacturers start to mimic the shape of a grill, but it's not an opening. It might just be another panel. Tesla started off doing that with a black Sort of a elliptical mm-hmm. shape. And then they killed it and went with just the slit with the Tesla. In the right, middle. right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, on the Mustang Mach-E, mm-hmm. it looks like, oh, that could be an air intake when it's actually really, it's not. really not. Yeah. But now the GT, the Mustang Mach-E GT, has mm-hmm. it blacked out, so it appears like that. But what that is doing is guiding us and easing our design eye into the future. Mm-hmm. It looks very similar. It looks relatable. It looks like a real car. It's what we've been used to for the last hundred years. It's got a radiator. Oh, no, it doesn't, but it, it feels sure. good to yeah. my eye. Yeah, yeah. It feels relatable. I can kind of get on board with that. Because if it's just a slab front end, I'm hearing Billy Idol's eyes, eyes without a face. You know, yeah. that's what the Teslas are. It's just like, there's no nose. It's just nothing there. What do you do for a signature <laughs> element? It's just surfaces. That's interesting. So you have to be really creative. So that's what I'm warring to. Some manufacturers are doing it better than others. BMW is now just outlining it. As you'll see, mm-hmm. it looks mm-hmm. like that should be the radiator opening. Mm-hmm. And now it's just a line. It's just an indentation. Is that going to cut it in the future? <sighs> I don't think mm. so. I think we need to get more creative. I'm going to speak directly to this, Seth, with the two you brought up. The BMW Beaver Teeth. I, I will admit that we're all kind of getting a little used to it, aren't we? It doesn't mean it's not ugly. It's still say, ugly. It doesn't make it better. It's still ugly. We're just, the shock value is wearing off. I think that's the thing. I think the shock yeah. value is wearing off. I, the, the thing about that specifically is the fact that it, it seems disjointed compared to what is otherwise a pretty interesting shape. Every car they're putting it on, even their new electric stuff they're putting the huge grill on, it's like everything else seems to be kind of interesting. What's going on here? Mm. But I want to relate that to the Lexus Predator Maw. 
because I remember the moment when I decided to warm to that. They put it on their first car, which was the IS, and we went, what is that thing? And we named it the Predator Maw then, and other people have said it since then. Yes. Because it's what it looks like. It looks like the mouth of the Predator. If you haven't ever seen that movie, you know what? Just Google a still. You'll be like, oh, that does look like a Lexus in monster shape. That's pretty <laughs> much what's you. going on. I, I hated it on everything they were putting it on. And then they had it on the show car, the Lexus LC show car. It's oh, called yeah. something else, but it was like the Lexus Spindle. LC. Spindle. Okay. Spindle and they And they stretched it out, and they made it part of this amazing shape. And then they decided to put a variation of that shape into production, and it becomes the LC500, which is the first car from their lineup that I was like, that works. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Everything prior mm-hmm. to that doesn't work. Since then, they have done a good job of refining that Lexus Predator Moss shape because it is now their signature. And on some of their models, it now works. Mm. You get whatever their current Land Cruiser monster is that looks terrible. Mm-hmm. Most of their SUVs do not cope with that grill very well. But I think the IS has actually gotten to a place where it looks pretty decent. And okay. on the LC500, yeah. yeah. I think it actually is beautiful. It's gotten so refined over the years mm. that they've had to continually push it past its original shape mm-hmm. to now it's actually gotten better. It got beautiful again. But those original shapes were just sort of like, Ew. Too much. And and it's, it depends. It also is very dependent on the car. I don't think manufacturers are really listening when we say this stuff, but I'm going to say it again. Not every car in your lineup has to have the same grill. They don't all have to. That became a thing that Audi made the deal in the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. I mean, I realized BMW had always kind of done it, but Audi was like, we're going to do a huge shield. Everybody follow us behind the shield. Right. And it doesn't work on every car. And I think you have to let some of your cars look different. Well, that's just it. You're touching on it again with future models, future electrified or hybrid models. They're going to be different architecture. Mm-hmm. The packaging is going to be different. So let it look different instead of forcing it. And I think that's what BMW is suffering from is those beaver teeth. Well, we've got to have an intake. Mm-hmm. doesn't have to be that big. So, you, you, you know, you wanted this giant iconic shape, which you got, but it still had to be a radiator intake. Still, you know, cool air in. Two questions on Instagram coming at us about season 10. I want to cover these real quick. Cutler Colin 99 and Mr. Madrang both have questions that relate to each other. First question is, what is the release date for season 10? You're asking this because you just saw us post pictures from season 10, which is going to be, by the way, the first episode is really cool as well. First episode, I'm not going to tell you why. It happens to have a, uh, a Jaguar E-Type and a Testarossa in it, and we make it make sense. That's episode <laughs> one. Episode two is this GR86 and the Miata. Uh, that is starting in January of 2022. That is coming up very soon. First quarter of 2022. 22 that will be out. And the secondary question is, when do these episodes hit YouTube? We are closing the gap on the YouTube releases. You'll notice some of the season nine stuff is already coming. It's not on Amazon yet. I'm sorry. There are authoring disputes going on between us and Amazon, and I'm having to get some of my questions answered, and it's taking a while to talk to the mothership. So that is going on. <laughs> Meanwhile, the U- that's not stopping when the YouTube releases are happening. Right, They're coming right. in with about six months of lag time from when they actually air on TV. So that is coming as well. So I hope that helps. Matthew Brown says, highest trim level of a lesser car Mm. or the lesser trim level of a higher car. Uses the Hyundai Elantra and the Honda Accord as examples. I'm going to answer your question with the Porsche Cayman. Okay. The base trim of a Cayman, fine. Yes. Yes to that. Base engine, base everything, still a brilliant car. Expensive, but I'd much rather have, in that case, the base car of the better performing chassis. The, mm-hmm. the, better, mm-hmm. the recipe was better. The foundation was better to start with mm. in base form. Fine. I'm fine with that. I'll take the base Cayman. Interesting. Hey, tire questions. We're getting to that time of year again. Olin is writing in on Facebook and he's saying, all right, it is tire swapping time, but here is his big debate. 
E is debating with others locally. You don't say really where you are, but oh, hang on. Uh, the mild Northwest. Okay, so he's got rear-wheel drive or rear-biased all-wheel drive cars. He's asking about a summer-winter setup. The mild Northwest. So I'm I'm guessing Portland area? Yeah, Olin's Maybe. in uh, Pacific Northwest, okay. Seattle, yeah. I think. So, anyway, so yeah. he's saying, is it better to have like the max performance summer tire for three-quarter of the year and put on true winters for two months when it gets below 40? Or run kind of a summer, maybe streetable track tire for the hot summer months and then a performance all season the rest of the year. Olin, it really is going to come down to what is your actual weather usage. If you're going to tell me, I won't see snow. And if I do, I'll see like snow for a few hours one day. And you know what? It's mostly above 40 degrees. We'll have a couple of weeks when it's not. I think you can run all seasons in bad months. If you're going to see snow, I really want you on winters. I do too. I mean, snow is probably two to four weeks, I'll say, in the Pacific Northwest. It does snow and it can just suddenly out of nowhere, Seattle airport, I've seen it completely snowed in. It does happen. But, you know, it's not for very long. And if the snow, I mean, if it's one of those things where it snows, but like right here, we're we're at a season right here, the shoulder season here in Utah, where it's snowed quite a few times. We've gotten six or eight inches, but the ground isn't really that cold. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. the days around it aren't that cold. So even though it snows hard, by like 10 o'clock in the morning, the roads are all clear, perfectly clear. Now it's cold here. So if you're going to be in a situation where you're barely below 40 and you're pretty much not going to see snow, I think you can get away with all seasons. I'm going to throw a little wrench in here, though. Okay. All weather tires. Indeed. I'm working to get some of those discussions on this show and hopefully on some of our videos as well. But all weather tires are what all seasons are supposed to be. <laughs> meaning they actually can work in the summer and they can work in the snow. You do have that option as well. I actually wonder if that might be the actual solve. If you want to have a really high performance tire that you can run sometimes, if it's worth it, if you're, if you're commuting, don't get a low treadwear, high performance tire. If mm-hmm. that's what you're really doing, get, get a nice summer, summer capable tire, but don't get something super high performance. But if you are going to track and do canyons and that kind of stuff, get that tire for that, for that season, and then run maybe all weathers. I'm throwing it out there. Yeah, the all weathers. It's signified by the triple mountain peak, so mm-hmm. it has that embossed on its tire wall, so you can find the all weathers. That's the differentiator. But it depends on the manufacturer. Some are better than others mm-hmm. as far as the dry weather performance. Yeah, you know they'll be great in you know suddenly it snows and it's cold and the temperatures drop to 25. Yikes! Hope my tires can hold up. Well, absolutely they can, but then the dry performance really will have to be, you know, something that you evaluate and uh, you gravitate towards from your favorite manufacturer. Chase D has an unconventional track daily crush for us based on what we seem to really love. <laughs> okay, a safari vehicle. Okay, good vents. <laughs> And a good door thunk. He's really trying to pit us against each other. Yes, here. he really is. Notice That's this. True. Yeah, uh-huh. I I love a good door thunk. I know you do. That's just it's catnip. It's just <laughs> seriously good vents. Vents okay. or vents or vents or vents. Okay. But safari vehicle, yeah, daily in a safari vehicle, especially it. Nobody's done a Cayman safari yet. Well, kind of. Porsche touched on that mm-hmm. a little bit, but it was more of an ice driving Cayman. Safari vehicle, and then I will uh, good door thunk the daily. No, that'll be the track, and then good vents, crush the good vents. Good See, vents. I'm going to completely disagree. Vents are vents are vents. But are here's vents. the thing, because what do I ha- want to have every single day, whether it's hot or cold? Good vents. <sighs> Let's get the temperature in the car solved. I want a big. I want a fire hose I of air, either hot or cold. I get in the car, and the vents blowing straight at my face. I'm like, yes, oh, Todd's been sitting they here. They are. That's exactly where they go. <laughs> they they belong at, coming at me. So, and I want that every single day of my life. Hot, cold, don't care. Ugh. Good vents is the daily thing. 
okay? <laughs> Track, I'm going to go off-road in this case, and I'm going to safari something. If it Look, if it's a purpose-built vehicle and you're going to go somewhere that has no pavement and you can actually get, get nuts in a safari-eyes sports car, now you have my permission to do that. Mm. So I'm going to safari as a track car, and that means I'm crushing door thunk because I'm going to say it. I've said it before. I'm saying it again. It is still just a door. <laughs> Did you see this? Uh, I confused our friend Daniel Likes Cars on Instagram. Oh, I've confused okay. him, and I need to set something straight. He said, in the last podcast, I made a comment about a Miata and an 86 having enough overlap, you should really not own each. You should own one or the other. You should not own both. They're, they're, they're too much of an overlapping experience. And he's been, hang on a second. He says, whoa, 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 whoa. He's been looking at a new cheap sports car purchase. He has a first-gen, a 97 NA Miata, a first-gen Miata. Mm. And he loves it, but he's 6'2", and he's realizing... I don't have to have a convertible. That's not necessary for me. And I really just don't fit in this car. I'm sure you don't, Daniel. So he doesn't fit in the NA. And here I come along and say to him, don't get an 86. It's the same experience. Hang on. First off, I want to say this. When we do these car debates, we are trying to be very specific to the debate that has been presented to us. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean Mm -hmm. you could come along with similar parameters and we come to a different conclusion. That's absolutely possible. We're trying to tailor it to each condition, condition as best we can because right, right. there's plenty of times we talk to people personally where they throw, we throw out three or four things and we realize that yeah, that's not who you are. Okay, we have to go somewhere else entirely. I sure. would not want to go there, sure. but this is where it needs to go for you. Right. Daniel, I am not claiming that in a blanket sense, we just had the two. We had the brand new ND Miata and the GR86. I am not claiming they are the exact same driving experience. If you have one, don't have the other. You really have to come down to life and usage here. But in your case specifically... You have a NA. You have a tiny little first gen Miata, and you're looking for more space. Anyone that came to me that said, I love my Miata and I need that driving experience, but more space, let me show you over here, sir or madam, to the 86 from Toyota. Mm-hmm. It is, that's, that is the off ramp. Yeah. I, I need a Miata feeling I want more space. The off ramp just leads to 86 land, plus the fact you have this NA. I think there is some overlap at the moment with the ND and the 86, one of the reasons we put them together. But an NA and an 86, you're going to have all that driving fun, but you're going to luxuriate in all of these options, all of this technology, and where did all this space come from? I think it's a good choice for you. Bitter Car Guy recently watched our review of the Nissan Pathfinder on our YouTube channel. And it seems like, yes, he agrees, Nissan cribbed the rear design from the Land Rover. But then he had a thought. Why are we not hearing about Nissan's electric car offerings? He knows they've got the Leaf, but you don't see many of those on the road anymore. True. We point out Leafs when they go by. We're like, wow, I forgot about those. <laughs> there, there it is right There's there. One. But the question is, is Nissan investing in electric vehicles anymore? Well, surely they are. I'm sure they are. But you've got to remember, Nissan has gone through the ringer in the last few years. Yes. They have been attacked. They've gone through management changes. Their CEO is gone. He's, oh. go- he's just gone. Oh, I walked into that He's not one. coming back. Oh. All the, the vehicles that make them the money to be able to invest in future technology, you'd think they'd have millions in reserve, maybe billions in reserve, but they have high overhead costs. Mm-hmm. So for development, developing a brand new vehicle, especially one that is their flavor, they're not mm-hmm. buying the tech from somewhere else, they're not buying a platform, they're not buying batteries. This is an infrastructure investment, not necessarily just build a car, we'll build an engine over here, put them together, and you put gas in it at the end. So all of these cars that are their bread and butter, the Nissan Frontier, mm-hmm. truck buyers, they've got to pay attention to their mm-hmm. truck buyers. Yep. I'm sure the Titan 
yeah. is going to be coming out. Then brand new Titan, they've got to pay attention to the full-size truck market mm-hmm. because that's a huge moneymaker. Mm-hmm. And then all the rest of the cars, they've got this Halo car, the Nissan Z car. Yep. Everybody's been kind of demanding. It's almost like Nissan is obligated to do it. They couldn't <laughs> announce, well, we're going to invest in electric cars from here on out. I don't think we'll do any more Z cars. They can't say that. We would not allow them to. We would storm the castle with pitchforks. Well, here's the Pathfinder's completely redone. I mean, they, they pretty much said like six months ago, we're going to redo the entire lineup. Here we go. And I got to be honest, when they first announced that, Paul and I kind of looked at each other and went, you are like <laughs> you're like, going to do what you're going to do all of them. <laughs> yeah, but they are just they're they're shotgunning them out. And the surprising thing is, most of them are pretty good. Bitter car guy, I would expect that Infinity would lead that charge. <clears throat> <clears throat> Nicely done, ding ding to uh, to convert everything to electric first. But they have a few other SUVs to get out, which they are. They're in the midst of a transformation as well. Because what is Infinity flavor? Tell me, mm. what does Infinity feel like? To this drive? drives just like an Infinity. Lexa. Uh, uh, mm. Okay. What is that? I'm asking. So they've got to finish all these other cars, get them making mm-hmm. money, get mm-hmm. them launched, get them out there, get people buying them, and they've got to be good to be able to sell. They can't just yeah. revise something, which means they've got to put all their investment dollars first into mm-hmm. you know, R&Ding all of these other cars first yeah, yeah. that they know, okay, get those on sale. Those are, you know, get that wheel moving. Mm-hmm. Then we've got some profit. We can start allocating funds over. And what is their signature move? They might be doing that already behind the scenes. I would expect them to mm-hmm. right now. But it's going to be able to, it's going to take a while to move from a leaf to a Tesla Model S and drop that in there. Because if they want to be competitive... Leaf, then tree, then forest. It's going to be a while. It's going to be all the foliage, all the stuff. They have to have a lot of investment, a lot of R&D. It's a big deal. Jared Rose 1 has written in. He's kind of uh, throwing down a gauntlet for me, I have to admit, because there's a lot on the calendar, but this needs to not be ignored. He said, I made a mention in passing about the uh, C8 being added to American Original. Ah, uh, yes. Yes, it has been. It will be. Uh, the problem is I was going to do a monster big piece on the C8 for that film, and then I realized that the demand for that is low, and I do want to have C8 content on the Blu-ray, but we have a lot of other things going on that are very pressing. So what is going to happen is American Original will be coming back to Blu-ray before Christmas. I am dedicated to doing that. We're going to put the C8 pieces we've done so far, you're going to be able to find them as part of that Blu-ray, so you'll be able to see them looking even better than they've looked any other way you've seen them with uh, with good uh, surround sound and stuff like that. So that is coming to the Blu-ray. I don't know if it'll get to come to the digital version on Amazon Prime or not, because as you've heard, we're having some discussions with Amazon right now. So that may not happen, but it will be on Blu-ray and available for Christmas, along with yeah. many other things. It'll be really good Christmas gifts from us. Last question for me from Kareem Alex Talbot. Saying that we recommend the Julia quite regularly, as well as the G70, never the BMW 330, that G20 version. Has Paul's ranking changed since shooting the blue sedan piece? watched it numerous times not sure why why i ranked the alpha third i felt Does like he own an alpha <laughs> maybe uh, I, I, I don't he know owns this. an alpha yeah that's a yeah you're, you're right mm-hmm. i always felt like the alpha came off as a one-trick pony brilliant at what it does yeah the rest of it all the other cars kick it right in the teeth i hate to say that i liked the german quality i liked the solidity i love mm-hmm. the feel of the bmw the alpha handles better than the other two yeah but that's really the only thing it's got going for it. Besides styling, 
But this I don't like want to buy a car predicated on ninety percent doing one thing well. That's why I have a Cayman. It's it's ten. It's a ten out of ten in every category. You're hearing Paul's rant directly related to the Lotus Elise, which I bring up because <laughs> I love the Alpha for the same reasons I love the Lotus. It's just like bigger and more. Kareem, I recommend it because. It is such a different experience. And sometimes when we do make that recommendation, somebody's coming out of a BMW. That's fair. Or coming out of another car, and you yeah. haven't tried that yet, and you haven't. Mm, that's good. Wow, is that refreshing. But for what I'm looking for, from a here's my opinion, here's how I rank them, <laughs> it just came off as this does this thing really well. It's so good. I love that. The rest of it, I don't love the interior. don't love the interface. It seemed... Average build quality. <laughs> the power was average. The BMW kicked it right in the you-know-whats. But th- then there's this Genesis G70. Yeah, the back seat space isn't very good, but mm-hmm. the rest of it is sort of like, buy this car. Wh- why don't people own this car? This this is so funny because I would take an Alpha anytime. Just tell me that I need a s- sedan. It'd be, the, it'd be the one I'd go buy. Just go buy an Alpha Julia. It'd be done. This touches on a, something. This though. is not an abandoned car sticker on your car. It's not going to look that bad. <laughs> I did have that moment. There's a story I'll tell another time. Somebody asked me later about the abandoned car story, and I will tell that story again another day. But I do want to say this real quick because we just brushed up against this idea okay. in that last answer. There's a phenomenon going on on YouTube, and it's not new, but I feel like it's growing. Okay. And I'm baffled by it. All right. And that is we do a piece where a car does very well. Yeah, yeah. And we get a good rating, but it might not win. Or it does win, okay? <laughs> but it isn't like if you sat down with the configurator and you made the perfect version of that car, it's not that one. Sure. We couldn't get that one because of the press fleet or the car that was available or what. We couldn't get the perfect whatever. It's very rare. Do we get the one that is spec like we wish it was mm-hmm. from the manufacturers? It's extremely rare. This GR86 out front is actually the way we would probably spec it. Yeah, yeah. From the options that are, I mean, there's other things I'd like on the car, but from the options that are available, it's the way we'd spec it, which is, that's extremely rare. It's almost always like, why is that on here? And why didn't they give us, Mm -hmm. name the package? Mm -hmm. But what's fascinating that goes on on YouTube is, we will get, and I mean anger, I mean vitriol (laughs) from someone that owns the car that just did well in the piece, and they're mad at us for not having the perfect spec because it would have done even better than great. I, mm. I don't, I don't understand what we're all so mad about. That's really my question. Can't we go enjoy our car that is really great? And if you see a video where your car does well, can't you be excited about the fact you own that car? I, I would almost understand it if you came at us with vitriol because you can't believe that you put those cars with the car I own. But we get more vitriol from people that are like, I can't believe you used that version of this car. And I'm almost, <laughs> I'm almost always answering with, but you saw that we liked it, right? You said good things. What yeah. you, I'm confused. Why are we so angry? You have talked about this before, and, and you had mentioned that it's the sports team spillover. It's yeah. the, my team that I'm a fan of, and I'm against you because of the rivalry. Mm-hmm. That's trying to spill over into the car world, mm. and it just doesn't work. Fortunately, it doesn't work. Yeah, they're all great. Well, for the most part, but you know car what I mean. It's fun to drive. We, we all like your the cars. Car. You like your car. I like my car. Good news. We like our cars. Let's go on a drive. Sweet. That'd be cool. <laughs> it's that kind of mentality trying to spill over mm. into the car world and trying to force it onto cars, where we've identified it just doesn't work like it that. It doesn't need to, and be it there. doesn't have to work like yeah, that for sure. So when we say. 
we said good things about a car, it seems to defuse a lot of things. You would think, but I still, why, why are we mad? Why, why, why are we angry? The car did well. We like your car. We're just happy that we get to drive cars and you know, you've got a good one you like. The end. That's what we're going for. Guys, thank you so much for all your questions. Really appreciate it. Your car conclusions, your topic Tuesdays, but most of all your car debates. It's we great. love those. Great stuff. Thanks for sending everydaydrivertv at gmail.com. Love to hear from you. Looking forward to next time. As always, cheers, everyone.